Welcome back to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. If you've been around since the beginning, it is good to see you. Hello. Thanks for coming back. If you're new, welcome. This is a safe space where I talk about pop culture that has, you know, no real relevance to anything. I also throw in random stories about myself and you, lucky you, get the opportunity to hear about a girl who likes movies too much. (laughs) So today we're talking about my all-time favorite musical, All Time. Did you have that movie as a kid that just became, it was your movie? You never got tired of it, despite the fact that everyone else in the family really did. You had it memorized, and somehow, in a weird sort of way, it became a part of your identity. My movie was Annie. That was my movie, and I return to it time and time again uh, when I'm sad, when I'm happy, um, when I need an escape that I'm familiar with and just makes me feel safe. It's Annie. I go back to Annie. I think I mentioned in the superlatives episode that it was my first Broadway show. I'm actually going to talk about that experience again in a later episode that I recorded with a buddy. Um, but I have never really met, I've well, I've only met one other person who shared my enthusiasm for this one. Not that I haven't met people that liked it, but that embraced it entirely. I, I grew up with this girl in elementary school to high school. I feel like every time I was at her house, the movie was on, and she told me once that it was one of her favorite things to listen to as she walked back and forth the classes at IU. There's just, there's something special about finding and knowing someone who loves what you love. They get it. They get you in a way. And I was always glad to have somebody in my corner that loved Annie as much as I did. Without further ado, let's head into the spoiler-filled summary of the movie, and then we'll hit the lazy internet research towards the end here. I really hope you're familiar with the movie, but just in case you aren't, we meet Annie in an orphanage in 1933's New York, a building filled with dirty, hopeless girls who like to sing and dance. Thank goodness. This is a movie musical, of course. Their caregiver, Miss Hannigan, is a man-crazy alcoholic who hates her job and is usually just walking around the orphanage in her lingerie. Annie is, she's precocious, equal parts troublemaker and leader, And one day, at the very beginning of the movie, she escapes in a laundry basket, finds a dog, and then gets dragged back back to the orphanage by a police officer who knows Miss Hannigan will be very appreciative. Wink, wink. Miss Hannigan is less than amused and thinks Annie has it coming to her. She's tired of messing with this girl. And then the chance of a lifetime comes up on the steps of the orphanage. Grace Farrell, the personal secretary to Oliver Warbucks wanting an orphan to improve the billionaire's image. Annie cons her way kind of into Miss Farrell's heart. And before you know it, she's living in the lap of luxury, new wardrobe, indoor swimming pool, tennis lessons, meeting President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, singing more songs, and even a trip to the movies with her new friend, Daddy Warbucks. So when the billionaire decides that he wants Annie to stay with him permanently, he buys her this really sweet locket to replace the one that she's been wearing um, that has been broken. Uh, But Annie says that she's holding out for her real family. She's always believed that they would come back eventually. So Warbucks, he goes on the radio, (laughs) which is a great scene, um, and offers a $50,000 reward to anyone who knows the whereabouts of Annie's parents. That's when Rooster, Ms. Hannigan's low-life brother, shows up at the orphanage with his girlfriend and pulls one over on her pretending to be the long-lost Mr. and Mrs. Mudge. Annie's last name is Mudge. It's Mudge. (laughs) They figure if they can pull one over on Miss Hannigan, they can definitely 
uh, trick Warbucks. Um, they think they've got it in the bag, especially since they have the other half to Annie's broken locket, which Miss Hannigan has been holding in a box, knowing full well that Annie's parents sadly died in the fire, but apparently never told her. So they pull off the scam. They get Annie and the reward, but lucky for Annie, her orphan friends escape from the orphanage and run over a hundred blocks to the mansion to give Warbucks the what what. They know what's going down. They know who is pretending to be Annie's parents and they want to let her know. I don't think they ever discuss what Rooster and Miss Hannigan are planning to do with Annie now that they have her again, but Annie manages to get away from them, um, tears up this reward check for $50,000, and that's when Rooster is, like, super upset, decides to chase her down. He's planning to kill her, like, legit kill her. They end up, they end up climbing a railroad bridge, like a drawbridge thing, I guess? I don't know. That part always confused me a little because I've never seen one of those in real life. And then Daddy Warbucks' bodyguard, Punjab, hangs off a helicopter and saves her. Then it's the 4th of July, and there's a carnival at the Warbucks mansion. The orphans are eating cotton candy, wearing new dresses, and Annie officially becomes Annie Warbucks. The end. Uh, lazy Internet research. Some interesting tidbits the, about the movie. Auditions for the title role span two years, 22 cities, 8,000 interviews, and 70 actresses. Nine young women made it to the second round. Uh, but then, of course, Eileen Quinn got the title role. In the play, Grace Farrell brought the adoption papers to the orphanage. So on stage, it's Ms. Farrell approaching Ms. Hannigan. Um, but after the movie script had Oliver... Daddy Warbucks do it. Carol Burnett and Albert Finney lobbied the, to the songwriters for a song to sing together to flesh out the only meeting between Warbucks and Hannigan. So their duet, Sign, was written in just two days. Albert Finney shaved his head to play Oliver Daddy Warbucks. When Eileen Quinn met him at the premiere, she didn't recognize him at first because his hair had grown back. I think that is the sweetest thing ever. Um... Oliver Warbucks's mansion was built in 1929 by Hubert Parson, president of F.W. Woolworth. He called it Shadow Lawn. It is now Woodrow Wilson Hall, part of Monmouth University in West Long Branch, New Jersey. And finally, the stage version of Annie ends at Christmas. This movie ends um, in, at the 4th of July because it was shot during the summer, and getting enough fake snow to cover the grounds of the New York mansion was far too expensive. There's some interesting tidbits, right? <laughs> so what did the movie get right? The setting. 1930s New York is grubby and wonderful. My life experience, thankfully, doesn't include orphanages, so I'm not sure if that's how they were really operated during that time. But I always really liked the family the girls created amongst themselves. They bickered, they teased, and they cared for one another. And none of them seemed jealous when Annie got her big break, uh, which... I find a little hard to believe, but it makes them so endearing. And at the end, when you see them at the Warbucks Mansion, really enjoying their time at the carnival, I think it, it makes it mean more in the end. Carol Burnett as Miss Hannigan is a perfect casting. And it was my introduction to Tim Curry, the handsome and charming rapscallion rooster. There will be a Tim Curry Appreciation Week coming up. You can bet on it. Um, what else did I get right? The songs, all of the songs. and. And of course, Eileen Quinn, who will forever be my Annie. I have tried. I liked the stage production. I, 
Um, that being my first one, I think is just a perfect part of that particular story when it comes to this, to Annie and my love of the movie. Um, but I, it always bothered me that it ended at Christmas because I had, I loved the movie so much that it's hard for me to, to disassociate from it. But Island Quinn is mine. And I will be honest, I have refused to watch any of the more modern adaptations because I, not, not because they tried a diverse cast. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, but I didn't like the modernized music and the Christmas scene and kind of what they did with some of the storylines. Just didn't like it. What irritates me about the movie? It's a minor nitpick. And one that really only recently started to frustrate me. And oh, I hate to say this. I'm saying this out loud. It's Ms. Hannigan. I don't quite get her. She really shows no sign of liking the girls throughout the movie. I would definitely not call her nurturing. And she's willing to go along with the plan to get Warbucks's money, knowing full well that it will mean taking Annie away from an environment that she could thrive in. And then all of the sudden, she grows a conscience. I mean... Thank goodness she does, but when Rooster is seriously considering killing Annie, Miss Hannigan steps in and tries to stop him, and it seems out of left park, to be honest. Did Miss Hannigan ever come off as a murderer? No, not at all. I, I don't believe that she would ever intentionally cause harm to the girls, but she also doesn't come off as compassionate. Sincerity works in her favor though because at the end of the movie she's riding an elephant at the carnival batting her eyes at Punjab and seemingly all of the previous bad behavior is forgiven so that that bothers me oh there's one other thing that bothers me so the runaway orphans who are trying to get to daddy warbucks mansion to let him know about the plot to take annie that same mansion where earlier in the movie a man snuck onto the property and attempted to throw a bomb into his office so it's it's not a well-protected mansion. But the, so the girls run blocks and blocks and blocks to get to the mansion, come up to the gate, and the gatekeeper's like, you want to see Mr. Warbucks? And he just lets them in with no questions asked. What? What? Who just lets in a gaggle of street urchins onto the property of a billionaire because they want to talk to him? And he just assumes, this gatekeeper assumes, that Warbucks will give them that time. That always bothered me a little. <laughs> final opinion. Why is it worth the rewatch? Because there's a dog that doesn't die. I, that has, you know, everything going for it. And there's Carol Burnett being her campy, wonderful self because Tim Curry is wearing suspenders. Um, because Albert Finney is an attractive bald man because the Rockettes do a whole glittery thing because the song maybe, and it's reprieve will just hug at your heartstrings. It's my favorite song, by the way. And because in the end, it's a movie about hope and resilience and compassion and, and happy endings. But that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. Next Tuesday, we will be talking the top five movie picks from the 60s and 70s. If you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture with someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about can also join the fun as, you know, that'd be nice. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at M and on Facebook is a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time. Music
Thank you.